Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Yeah, we are back. We are doing it again, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Doing it again. Um, once again, this is Mark's Madness Pod. We read books, and once again, we are starting off on uh, a very somber uh note Mm -hmm. uh for current events this week uh again this will come out probably a week or this will come out at least a week after everything that's going on now so this situation will probably be developing and we'll we'll be following up on it as as need be but david do you want to do you want to start us off while while we're here uh yeah so setting the stage and 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 also dating ourselves um before the most recent tragic component of what i'm about to comment on was happening we were already seeing uh derek chauvin uh the person who had killed the the cop who murdered george floyd uh that trial was going on and it's been bad (laughs) uh yeah yeah i mean that's there you go there's the understatement we needed it's been very bad (laughs) like the things his lawyer are saying is just it's just it's I mean, it's a very mask off, right? Oh, he was doing what he was trained to do, blah da 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 da, right? And as if that's not a bigger question. Yeah, as if that's not like, oh, okay, well, that that's should a bad be a much thing. more concerning statement. Yeah, and I don't know how people would forget the events of last summer, but just in case details, because it just got absolutely rumpled through, and people probably only remember, you know, general Black Lives Matter and burning down police stations, Chaz kind of things. And then, of course, you know, George Floyd himself having his neck stepped on over a supposed counterfeit $20 bill. Um, and that's the one thing that's flagrant about this. So we talk about these police killings and the ones that really spark stuff off right but you got to remember around this country cops kill three people a day and that's the conservative side of numbers that's i want to say it's adl or new york times or, or someone did did research on it and it was like 990 consistently every year of like recorded like they said you know we have cases where we killed people and had to review it for police departments not every police department put in their information and that's, of course, just what they said they did. You know, this is not counting like off-duty cops being <laughs> being more, you know, brash, violent people and owning guns. This is not counting um, the way, you know, people will be arrested and have their lives destroyed and be driven to suicide or possibly die in prisons. Um, this is not counting how police, you know, spike up violence in poor areas uh, by adding desperation and panic. This is not counting high-speed chases. This is not counting all kinds of things. This is just straight on duty, shot them, killed them, gun violence deaths and and police brutality deaths. I, I guess, shouldn't say shot them, killed them. We're talking about like, you know, George Floyd last you know, here having his, his neck stepped on and, and of course Eric Garner and, and, and which, situations like that. Which is but, another thing, and I, I don't wanna I don't wanna derail it, but I, I wanna put that point out there real quick that I'm all of a sudden seeing a lot of today I saw a whole bunch of D, you know, take away their weapons, take away the guns, take away they don't need tasers and gun if they can if they get the taser and the gun confused, maybe they don't need either of them. And it's like, um um yeah. folks that point's I don't, not wrong. I don't know how to explain it's not wrong. The point's but... not wrong. Great point. Um if you think that will solve the people getting murdered, yeah, uh, I have a very bad I have a very bad news for you. That's not it's, how the police state in this country works. It's like the universal healthcare thing, right? You're not attacking the cause or solving the problem on a surface level, but you are addressing an issue within it, right? So it's yes. like totally, totally for what you're advocating for. Great. Cool. Gotcha. Not nearly enough. 
Not even close. Uh, yeah, not even close. At, um, at this so point, I mean, it's abolition or nothing, people. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, better estimates, though, um, on, honestly, and please, you know, murders on in the line of duty uh, is probably something closer to 2,000 a year. And then, of course, like I said, there's all these, these tertiary tertiary deaths, which is a horrible thing to feel to call them. But I just, you know, logistically what it is, it's not on-duty recorded brutality type things. They're, they're things like, you know, suicides or deaths induced by rough rides or, or you know i mean what happens in prisons and, and situations like that right people having their their lives destroyed by being thrown into jail and some of the most egregious ones especially some of the most egregious ones that happen to black people who are targeted the most it's it's black people and indigenous people at nearly the same rate the very highest group very very highest group is i think it's age 18 to 21 black people and then it's like 21 to 23 indigenous people, 18 to 21 indigenous people, 21 to 23 black people. I mean, it's very clearly those two groups is, is, is the biggest targets. Right. Um, and, uh, and so that's where we hear, you know, of course, black lives matter, which hopefully evolves into back into to what it was before. And that's a black power movement. Um, but you know, all, all this backdrop is happening. Cops kill, you know, three to six or, or more people a day. And once in a while it blows up. And Derek Chauvin was one where it blows up and, and public rallied behind it. This was someone that particularly the, the presidential race was happening and, and people were reminded that Amy Klobuchar let him off the hook twice, which is why he still was working a job. This was in the midst of Klobuchar's scandal for abusing interns, yet somehow she just kept being a, a big fe- figure throughout the elections, even though she wasn't polling worth a crap. Um, you know, the I mean, the Times endorsed her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that one. <laughs> um, so all this is happening in the backdrop of, of that trial that where everything is, you know, kind of worn on its sleeve. Right. And as that happens um, in Minnesota, no less, I mean, this is not even far, far away from, from Minneapolis. Um, it's, let's see what it, it's. Uh, no, it was in Minneapolis. Brooklyn I was Center? trying to th- yeah, Brooklyn I was trying Center to. Th- isn't yeah, Brooklyn Center. That's it. It's Brooklyn Center is is what I'm thinking of, um, which is is right near Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Dante Wright, uh, father of a two year old child, was pulled over for an air freshener. Again, you know, it, it doesn't need to be this egregious to to be this awful, but it's awful bullshit. He was pulled over for an air freshener. I guess they found some warrant. Which I'm not sure the details on that one, but I saw a couple places. I've seen the details about- on that one. They're two two low level or two low level cases. One of them was marijuana related, and oh. then he has another one for failure to appear at a virtual conference. He he applied for deferred payment on those two warrants, and then they got rejected during pandemic. And so it's okay. like the most the most surface okay. level petty nonsense shit in the history of time. Okay, so procedural bullshit for a couple hundred bucks basically for stuff that, that procedural bullshit should, for a couple hundred bucks that shouldn't have been illegal in the first place, really. And because of that, he's getting arrested. Yep. And um, I guess he tries to, to flee back into the car. And I would not recommend <laughs> having to suffer through uh, the brutal video, but in the process, uh, you know, police officers are coming after him and an officer who was characterized as a senior experienced officer on the force shouted taser um, which I'm trying to think of the name of the method. It's like slip in and 
uh, hold on a second. There's there's a method where you're supposed to. It, it, there's no way to mistake a gun and a taser. Okay, there's just there's no way the no. tasers are bigger. They have a completely different trigger safety feature, trigger style. So you don't pull it the same like like the a gun that the triggers on on a hinge, right? It almost swings. Whereas in a taser, it's it's almost like a button, right? Almost like in a Nerf gun. Um. There, there's no way to get it mixed up and just for good measure they make them super bright yellow and the police are trained to use it and again they're going to use this line to try to fund more training which is a crock of shit but if you can't tell the difference between a gun and a taser you shouldn't be out there with a gun no, again no. teeny tiny minuscule reform level analysis there we want to abolish the whole damn thing we know the issue is not just they had a gun or they can't keep a gun and a taser straight uh, but Nonetheless, there's no way. I mean, this is a huge crock of shit. And because of this excuse that, of course, the headlines are running with, everything's running with, um, it, it's, you know, this ploy to say, like, oh, I thought it was a taser. If you watch the video and and deal with, uh, the, you know, what you're seeing, because it's it obviously at least you're not the one who lived through it. Right. Um, but just seeing the reality it's 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 not easy to, to watch those kind of intense videos and see what happened to Dwayne right if you do put yourself through that just for an accurate picture of what happens um the uh cop shouts taser taser and shouts that very clearly holding a gun and just shoots him and kills him and um so that's going to set off Quite a bit of public backlash, as it should, and it's already starting to, and the bullshit is happening, and of course, Biden's already up there, hasn't even contacted the family, Mr., you know, um, what do you call it? harm reduction? Crime bill. <laughs> yeah, crime oh, bill, man. Call him crime bill? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, you know, he's he's up to deportations from Trump, up to them, up to mm-hmm. them, yeah. um, specifically oh, yeah. to Haiti. Of all places, while the U.S. is, is as we've mentioned a couple times recently, refusing to advocate the, the throne with Moise, um, he is uh, upping militarization of police. You know, it's it's empirically out there that police have gotten more military gear since he's been in office. And then he's immediately out here, immediately like... We should reserve judgment. We should wait till the police department <laughs> basically investigates itself. We should wait for more facts. Yeah. Uh, also, violence and, and root li- uh, rioting and looting—that's looting. bad. Can't, yeah. We can't loot. There's no excuse for looting ever. Yeah, I was trying to that's, turn rioting that's and the looting message. into one word. It was really weird. That's the message, and that's just that's that's the thing that that struck in that moment. Yeah. At that second, even if you wanted to do bullshit platitudes, how is that not the time for bullshit platitudes about no one should die during a traffic stop? Yeah, how is that not? You went that's to all looting? Democrats do. That's all Democrats do too. They're they're they they take it and they make it the stupidest language possible, right? Like no one no one should die in a traffic stop. No one should be uh, no one should be shot for for running away only if they're endangering cover. Whatever you know, something that leaves a door wide open for oh, but the system's great. Um, we yeah. just shouldn't be and this this egregious where we have to encounter it. They couldn't even manage that. No, they couldn't no. even get that. No, no, no. I mean, Biden just when, the thin blue the line NHL, glowed right in his head. When the NHL has a better like a statement on yes. canceling a hockey game yes. than the president of the United States can have, something yes. has gone horribly awry. 
Yes, and for for context, because we are a hockey podcast and we are Blues fans here. We um, are a hockey podcast. The Blues were going to play the Minnesota Wild. That's of course a little close to where this is happening. And a little bit. while there's while there's all these like we should wait for the investigations and do 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 do. And while hockey teams are are I mean they're a corporation, they're going to be very pro cop. The Blues are very. SDL, you know, PD, <sighs> which is here in St. Louis, not as bad as, as the yeah, Cardinals, don't, but the, uh, the most don't remind me. <laughs> the most murderous one there. Uh, nonetheless, you know, they came out with a statement that just said, you know, the game was postponed and it doesn't say because of danger, because of fear, because of the rioting or for safety. None of that, none of that, you know, fear mongering bullshit. It says out of respect for the community after tragedy, condolences with, with uh, Dante Wright's family, you know, I mean, and that's from the NHL. Who you know doesn't actually yeah. give a shit. The whitest oh, fucking no, sport out the there. Worst. <laughs> yeah. They're the absolute worst. Like they're they how many suck. hockey coaches have been fired? I mean hockey coaches have been fired for racist bullshit and, and stuff like that at all levels yeah. of the sport. No, it's and they still they managed nailed to have a PR team that could pull this to, off. Yeah, compared to compared to the fucking president of the lesser evil party. Like, kiss my fucking um, ass. It's so and it and they immediately and this is something that I never I I, I don't think I had I, I definitely hadn't processed I had no I had no way to process it but I'm I'm seeing a lot of stories coming out about because they immediately put the curfews in place immediately right at the same yeah, time oh that no, it's scheduled cops are lined up in the riot gear and everything you know and I mean I'm Which sure is, they're a little bit on standby from the Chauvin trial although I I bet they were probably expecting to draw that out for a few months and hope people lost interest uh, that's yeah. not going to really work now. Not at all. No, no, no. This is yeah. Um, this is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna. This is gonna be a lot. But yeah, um, they immediately but, jumped to action. They are. They are. They are geared up. The NYPD put up a thin blue line flag. You know, just to let. You, I mean, they are there to tell you who they are. Okay, yeah. they are there to oppress the people. Okay, they are there for suppression and violence in the name of what they consider order. Okay. Yeah. And you've got the you've got you saw the video of the police chief up there crying about or, mm-hmm. or getting ready to cry. They said about all that. And, yeah. And meanwhile, the vigils and the, the the things that are planned for for the public and for the for the community to go mourn this, those are going to get criminalized. Yeah, so they're the going to get criminalized. They're going to get attacked. They're, yeah, they're I mean, it, it always happens. Cops, cops There's come no in way, and they, they no- push people around and bully them and 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 destroy things at vigils. And that's when they don't break out in a tear gas and shit using using shaky ideas like curfews. Yeah, this is I mean, it is it's just set up to be it, it's set up to be another it's set up to be. I mean, exactly. It should and it should garner as much. There, there should be no yeah. level of injustice that doesn't garner, you know, this much attention. It needs to be at the front and center. But this, yeah. I mean, it just feels like the same like we're oh, oh my we're, we're right back at this again what is this gonna ha- what, what's gonna happen um, and again there, there's no way to like you know every every single killing just blow up like you just can't do that with the the public the public needs spark points but this is a tragedy that happens like we said you know three times a day is the lowest low 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 end of not the estimate but the concrete for sure killings three times a day from cops nationwide um and that's not, you know, that that's just that's just police, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, when we when these deaths turn into spark points, there's going to be a lot of public outcry, and when that public outcry comes, these does happen because cops are are there to ensure 
the oppressive structure stay in place violently. That is literally their job. And I don't mean literally like very, very, very. I mean like in, in a, a very literal sense, if you wrote out their job, not metaphorically, it is to violently uphold class structure. I'm sure they won't see it as their literal job because they they see themselves as serving and protecting and, and keeping the bad guys down. And it's very easy just to make someone a bad guy because they're hot shit. But that's what they do. They they hold up oppressive structures very, very violently. Oh my God. Um I just can't I just there's so much of it that I can't I can't process and I, I don't know how I can't imagine what the, the families and the community are going through. And so again, yeah. anything, I mean, this is, this anything, is a lot in real time. We haven't, we haven't seen, um, some of the local groups that have popped up before. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Minnesota freedom fund and, and people like that are, are gonna, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, look for, for help. Um, especially it being local the same area, but we haven't even seen that stage. This is yeah. very early. This like just happened. This and, is very, and, it, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, less than 24 hours. We're recording this. Yeah. We're recording this on the Monday when this, this happened on a Sunday. Yeah. We were, um, we're, we're going to record the crap again. out of ourselves. We're well, and we need to, because again, this is, this is mm-hmm. relevant. And this is as just so you know, Absolutely. what information we had available to us as we're recording, Absolutely. Um, you know, this is the information we have. We haven't hit the first night of, of vigils or, or anything like that. Um, so we're going to see, we're going to see what happens. And then again, we're going to record again. Um, if it, if, if it needs to be, if there's something that we really feel needs to get mm-hmm. out there that we need to release as a current event or something, we will do that as of right now. Um, we're not at that stage. So this is going to probably just come out during the regular episode. Yeah. Now, that is not the only tragic current events happening. No, it is in this not, country. unfortunately. <laughs> um, no, it is not, unfortunately. Quick, quick yeah. break. Hold on. Before, before, we're going to do a sandwich here. So, okay. um, that was very depressing. Wall Street Journal opinion piece of the week oh, China's God. message to America. We're equal now. President Xi is confronting Biden with a new worldview that Beijing's decades of not challenging the U.S. as global leader are over. Drop the Whoa. Chinese national anthem in here. Let's go, baby. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I no. think when it comes down to it, they're going to be very angry that they sparked these, you know, underlying intra-country conflicts that they've created with the racist structure of this country. Just as China's equaling up, that's not going to be good because I just. Yeah, I, I just loved the line in here in that article that Mr. Yang delivered a surprise, a 16 minute lecture about America's racial problems and democratic failings. The objective was to make clear that Beijing sees itself as an equal of the U.S. He also warned Washington against challenging China over a mission Beijing views as sacred, the eventual reunification with Taiwan. Um, I just I just love the that we're doing. It's. It's amazing how the same playbook that worked perfectly for the USSR is going to work all over again a hundred, you know, a hundred years later because nothing has fucking changed. Like, yeah, and point out the fact that America is a racist shithead. Yes, and and before again we get back to all kinds of current events, we have so many to talk about. It's a very rich moment in history. This we talk about like you know decades where nothing happens and and weeks where decades happen. This has been a week. Um. So, but touching, touching back on that with the China and Taiwan before people do get confused, because that's going to be a narrative that's going to blow up now, right? Imperialist China taking over Taiwan. Da, 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 da. Taiwan is technically, so where China is the People's Republic of China, Taiwan, a Republic of China is what they call themselves. They think all of China, including Taiwan, is theirs and always have that thought that China thinks all of China, including Taiwan, is theirs. 
and always have. The reason Taiwan has been separate is because the KMT, those other nationalists that Mao fought with to you know, push out the Japanese and, and resist colonialism and bring about the, the Chinese revolution near the end of the revolution mm-hmm. because they're very, very reactionary nationalists. That intra, that, that conflict, that making sure it was a left-wing nationalism, not a right-wing nationalism, came to a head and the KMT scurried off to Taiwan. That's where they essentially exiled themselves to because that the only place they could, thing they could do is hold that island. So the reunification now, from Taiwan I, is not like a unique, you know, like expansionist China thing. China and Taiwan both see themselves as all of China. This whole split is is just it is a happenstance of two different powers still competing for China all these years. And so nobody will see this as like Taiwan was broken away and free and now you're engulfing them back in, except the West, who's going to run the right narratives. It's the reunification both sides want, but one side's going to win, one side's going to lose, and that one side that's going to win is the People's Republic of China. Yeah, they're a little bit larger. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> that, that made sense Seems since the beginning. Little... But, you know, I mean... No, the KM- KMT, that was, Chiang Kai- that was Chiang Kai-shek's uh, mm-hmm. faction of the... Of yeah, the and the KMT is not what's conflict. in power in Taiwan anymore, either. Uh, they're no. they're kind of a, a less powerful party now. They dominated okay. initially, and and now it's the the oh, it begins with a D. Hold on, I'd have to look it up. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't expecting that. No, he wasn't. No, 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 thing, no, no, but, no, no, no. But just just you know, so people understand, this is not like a separate country that China has decided to take over. These are two different claims to all of China, including Taiwan. This is the last bit of the Chinese Revolution to be resolved. And at some point, it'll get resolved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, moving back into depressing current events. Yes. Um, so trans people are under attack in the United States. That's not a breaking statement. That's not something just acute to this time. But it is something that has flared up quite a bit lately. Um, Arkansas has passed a transphobic bill uh, denying trans children health care. Uh, including, you know, hormone therapy. Uh, one of the things that people don't understand is puberty blockers are safe. They temporarily block puberty, and they're not irreversible in the least, but you can correct it later. You know, the body will start processing puberty afterward anyway, and then you can take hormone therapy and, and complete the process. There's nothing wrong with puberty blockers, but it's important for trans kids because there's a lot of bodily changes that happen during puberty. It's not just body hair and... You know, you you start your your sexual organs go off. It's not just that, right? It's you know your your voice is a big one, right? Like like trans women, once their voice deepens, there's no going back. That's that's their voice. That's just how it is, right? And there's all kinds of bodily effects for puberty. So you can use hormone blockers. No one is getting reassignment surgery that young. No, or would it be a problem if they were having their gender affirmed? But Again, big decision, and no one's doing that that young. They're just taking puberty blockers and puberty blockers that are completely reversible, very easily corrected later, uh, and that way they can manage their gender dysphoria. That's being denied um, on a legal basis by Arkansas. That was actually vetoed by the Arkansas governor, who I believe is a Republican, who's just even over their head, but it got overridden. So that bill is in effect. Okay. There are two more that are far more appalling 
that will probably not pass in the same fashion, thankfully. But these are the two states that are kind of, they set the signal out for other Republicans and generally as bad as, as this state's one of these states legislation is, as we talked about with the, the power failures recently and with the ice storm, um, these states are, are kind of like the signal, like this is the direction Republicans will go, right? This is, this is our cause, right? When they want to attack gay marriage or abortion or whatever, and whatever their strategy is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's North Carolina. I'm, not, I'm sorry. North Carolina, South Carolina. I've lost my Carolinas. There's two of them. Hold on. Well, don't get it wrong. North Carolina was the first one to come out very heavily on that uh, transgender. Oh, no, it is North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it is North, North Carolina. Carolina started with that thinking, bathroom bill, yeah. I was going to say, I, I keep thinking it's North Carolina, but then I keep thinking South Carolina is so much more more racist, but North Carolina has... It, it, it's never a winning battle to pick the most Let's racist Let's not try and grade racism. They're all bad. Yeah. It's all bad. It's all yeah. very bad. Yeah. It's just hard. I, I think right wing, I think South Carolina, but maybe that's... But North Carolina is a signal. They, they, yeah, like you said, they started the bathroom bills, and that's exactly where my brain, you know, comes from when when it's saying this is the signal. Um, and so they put out the bill first. The bill included the fact that uh, their parent they they weren't allowed to express gender in school, and their parents would be informed. If they showed any, you know, gender dysphoric action, it's just basically there to out and attack trans people. It was horrible. And some of the healthcare regulations would go beyond just trans people, of course, you know, and, and it comes down to stuff that in the end, transphobia is homophobia, right? It's the homophobia. Homophobes feel like they're still battling every inch you know, gay people of, of um, all sexual identities, lesbian, bisexual, gay, all still oppressed, but there's been gains made there. So to them, that's a lost battle. They've got to go for like the low hanging fruit. The ones that are, are still generally, you know, generally even more heavily stigmatized, the, the weakest link. Yeah. And that's trans people right now. Right. So when they go after LGBT plus people, the target is trans people. It's been gay people before. It's been lesbians before. It's always at that entire group. Um, yeah. And you can see that in some of the details of the, the North Carolina bill. Now, that one will probably, um, again, be vetoed, and they won't have the override majority. Um, so good in that sense that it won't actually pass. That's speculating, but it's strong speculation. But terrible that it's it even just- exists and could possibly pass and is a signal to other um, legislation. And, and then we get to come Texas. back again. And the more you do this, the more you do this, the more you normalize that this is a thing you're allowed mm-hmm. to do as a legislature. And eventually you get one of them through. Yep. Um, and, oh, and, and again, you know, I've seen some analysis that really is, is like, yeah, no, this is going back to conversion therapy. This is, this is conversion therapy. If you want Mike Pence sponsored uh, torture shit on LGBT plus people, that's what's, you know, North Carolina is gunning for. Um, and then there's Texas and Texas is, is similar things, but there's one kind of, there's more details. There's other stuff gobbed on. Um, and again, this is just too much to keep in, in my, my small forgetful brain. So I'm doing my best. Uh, but there's one detail that was really appalling and then stuck out. And it's in Texas. If a child is trans and the parents affirm the gender, that's obviously not the language the bill uses, they could be seen as abusive and the child could be ripped away from the division of family services. So that whole 
child separation, which happens anyway as a strategy from Trump kind of making it almost a jump up in these concentration camps around the border. Apparently Republicans went, Oh my God, child separation. And so now child separation, of course, happens from trans people being outed from these transphobic bills and general stigmatism um, of being trans. It's becoming an explicit policy. And D- that's nothing new. I mean, DFS exists to destroy families and claim protecting them, right? Yes. If you have an addiction, if you're poor, if you're colonized in any way, it is always there to rip families apart. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and to stick its nose in, in divorces and, and cause even more confusion there. It's not it, – they're cops, and they, it, there's no two ways about it. And they do what cops do. They, they ruin people's lives that they claim to protect. And this is sicking DFS specifically on trans people. Again, I'm sure this has happened. This happens without this bill, but this makes it For explicitly sure. legal. So it happens at a higher rate. So yeah. it's a target. Yeah. You know, that's good. God. Yeah. Didn't know that one on the Texas one. Ah, yeah. That, yeah. Very that, rough. That's that's yeah. To that's say the also fucking not least, all I- the current events. Good God, David, will you stop <laughs> abusing me? <laughs> so very mixed bag Latin American elections were this last week. Um, I didn't pay attention to what yes. week it was, or I would have I mentioned it. Uh, I actually thought they were tomorrow. I thought they were happening on Tuesday. Apparently, they happened yesterday. So this is how I, I try to keep up, and this is how jumbled it gets in my head. I can't remember dates it and shit like that. <laughs> um, but two countries held elections. One was Ecuador. Ecuador uh, was where Correa was replaced by Lena Moreno. Lena Moreno was supposed to be Correa's protege, same party, everything, and then flipped and immediately was might as well have cooed Correa, right? I mean, it's the same kind of flip. Um, immediately welcomed in, you know, the OAS and the IMF and, and the bankers. And it's just a horrible, horrible set of years for Ecuador. We saw tons of uprisings for very good reason. Um, then. Um, there was Andres Ares, who was mm-hmm. again the same party as Korea, was supposed to bring back Koreaism, da, 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 versus Guillermo Lasso, who is a banker and is far more right wing than Leonard Moreno. All of the polls just had Ares just wiping the floor. I mean, he won the most in the initial round, but it wasn't a majority, so there needed to be a, a, a second round. Um, and in that second round, in that runoff, all of the polls in between then had him winning. He did win the majority. In the original, just again, you know, or it wasn't the full ma- true majority though, or he would have won. So everything pointed at at Ara's coasting into victory, and he did not. So very tragic electoral news again. You know, I mean, even when you win the election, you have to worry about coups, you have to worry about party infrastructure being there. So we've found and we've seen for many many years in Latin America that you know, violent uprising, guerrilla warfare, it, it has its successes in Nicaragua and Cuba. But it's very difficult to do, and especially deadly. The U.S. is especially genocidal in that region. Um, and they also do try with elections. And even if you definitely cannot elect socialism in the global north, and even if it takes a long time and a lot of processes and takes you know maybe a little longer to get to the full communism you want to trying to elect it in the global south, and everything's going to have forwards and setbacks and blah, blah, blah. Um, it looks like a strategy in Latin America is to try to elect socialists in, and it, it has mixed results, but it works sometimes. You know, I mean, you've seen it with Chavez and then, you know, in turn Maduro, you've seen it with uh, Evo Morales and then Luis Arce. That's Luis it. Arce? 
Yeah, Luis Arce and, yeah. and David Chukwanka was the, the the vice president. Yeah, Luis Arce. Um, you know, you've seen it with with those turns, right? Um, and so it can work. That was tried and expected to win in Ecuador, and again, that was actually working in Ecuador through Correa. It just flipped on Lena Moreno. Um, but huge setback there. In other places, uh, in Peru particularly, which is kind of a secondary major stronghold for the U.S. and South America, nothing compares to Colombia. But Peru is a huge strategic stronghold for the United States. If I remember right, that's where the OAS was formed or, or where it meets. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a huge power for the United States. Still got to have runoff cl- elections. And as we saw with, you know... Uh, Andres Alvarez uh, versus, you know, Guillermo Lasso. There's, of course, going to be the expected, you know, suppression and games with the votes and things like that. And even winning majority or even winning the, the, I can't think of the word when you win the most, but not the majority. Plurality. Plurality. Even winning the plurality in the first election doesn't guarantee any success in a runoff. But someone who was just completely out of nowhere wasn't on anyone's radar was pedro castillo so you were looking at all of the candidates in uh peru and you were like you know none of these seem all that left wing right uh veronica mendoza was the closest to being left wing she was talking about nationalizing natural gas uh, but she also said a lot of vague things about diversifying the economy which could be left wing or right wing and explicitly attacked you know, Venezuela and Maduro and said the authoritarian stuff. And so I don't know, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem like a good chance of solidarity. Not sure how actually left wing she is. Uh, but then there's Pedro Castillo. Now I need to make clear the good and bad of this. Um, this is kind of what you're getting in, in uh, Latin America. And we can't be putting on our um, rainbow imperialism goggles. And so this is very troubling that I have to do bring up after talking about the transphobic bills in America, although I don't think, you know, Castillo would usher in anything like this. But the reality is, is the largely indigenous uh, and Afro-indigenous and and black um, rural poor in the South American countries are the ones that are going to support leftism and Marxism, Leninism and, and, and these things. And they're generally fairly socially conservative. Um, this has a lot to do, of course, with the imperialism involving the Catholic Church uh, in both, you know, Spanish or, or for Brazil, um, you know, Portuguese colonialism. Uh, but they're generally very socially conservative. Okay. And that's exactly what Pedro Castillo is. And so when I say socially conservative, I mean transphobe, homophobe, just plainly. Good. Um, Goody. Yeah. Can't even have yeah. it. Can't even get one bright spot, can we? Just none. But, none. You're just going to beat me down. No, 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 no. But he came completely out of nowhere. He's leading the elections. Again, you're going to have these mixed bags in the global south. You know, it's not like it's they, they use rainbow imperialism all the time to make excuses for Israel, for example, right? You know, like, oh, Palestinian authorities are transphobic. It's like that, that doesn't make me not want the liberation of Palestine. You know, you do no, have to understand there's there's a multitude of – and so this is still – it's not like any other, you know, maybe again, maybe Veronica Mendoza would be more, you know, friendly to LGBT plus people. But she was like pulling sixth. And again, I don't know how genuine she is. All of the other candidates were going to be this socially conservative. It's unfortunate that um, Pedro Castillo is not better on that front by miles. Um, and by unfortunate, I mean it's a huge tragic deal 
uh, that we can't, you know, be happy with. But this is the anti-imperialist candidate. This is a person that that um, espouses Marxism, Leninism, um, and and runs on an electoral uh, stance. So you know, kind of along the lines of like Salvador Allende. Uh, and yeah, that he yeah, and he very much is against the OAS. He's against imperialism. He's wanting to move this country way left. It was completely unexpected to this huge move for a self-proclaimed towards a self-proclaimed Marxist-Leninist. Um, that wants to break the country away from imperialism. Incredible news, especially considering how much Peru has gone through it uh, with regard to, and I'm sure this has something to do with it, uh, with regard to COVID, right? They've not had a good COVID yeah. response. I know, I know as an American, why <laughs> where am I to speak? But no, just, no, no, just no, objective no, analysis, Peru's had no, a little yeah. bit of a rough time there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge news. That's, that's, it, it could be better, and I had to be very clear about what the downside of it is. But that's amazing news. It's incredible news, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, you do have to temper it with his social conservative and R is lost in um, Ecuador, and leading in the first round doesn't guarantee anything for Pedro Castillo, but that is an alarming turnout. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and an alarming in a good way. So that's the only good news I have uh, in the current events. Again, um, just a huge laundry list of them. We didn't even get to the fact that that line three and line three protests are going on. People are trying to fight line three, um, which is a huge oil pipeline across Canada uh, that, of course, will affect you know Michigan, and Minnesota uh, as well. And if you look at the pathways of pipelines, this was I actually saw this pointed out by an indigenous person on uh, on a TikTok, and I never. I never knew the mapping of the missing and murdered indigenous women when we do the campaign. I didn't realize how closely it, it basically follows along oil pipelines. Um, so there's several mm. reasons to oppose them. Obviously, you know, the colonialism yeah. of them, the environmental destruction, uh, the fact that they're always sent away from white places to not destroy that environment, but right through indigenous territories who depend on the water for their life. Now we also understand this detail of missing indigenous women being geographically tied to pipelines. Um, yeah, a lot of reasons to oppose that. So that's, what's going on in Canada. A lot, lot of world events going on. Um, a lot of things to keep your, your eye on. And of course the biggest thing to do, and you'll probably be about 10 days into doing it by the time you hear this <coughs> is to go out and physically do things, physically organize, you know, be humble, if you're, you know, if you're not the organizer that the the area needs because they already have someone organizing for that, you know, or you're not a good organizer, join existing orgs. You know, learn learn how to organize. If you're, you know, if you've been in orgs for a long time, or you just see a clear need that you can manage doing long term dependably, you don't leave people dried up, and, and you believe you can, you know, educate them politically. But especially if you're experienced going out and working with organizers and in organized groups, that would be the much preferred way go out and organize, but everybody should be out on the streets um, considering what's happening in Minnesota right now. Uh, so again, you know, I, I do the disclaimers all the time. Uh, I do those for a reason. Everything we're doing here means nothing. Okay. If we're not connecting people and helping people and fighting for people, this is all components of a revolution and we have to make sure that what we're doing here is revolutionary at the end of the day or all of this theories for not. Correct. 
Speaking of theory, though, this is going to be a longer episode than usual. Uh, so strap in because you're getting at least 30 minutes of reading. So this is going to be a bit. Uh, but you know what? We've, we've done some shorter ones in the past, too. This just all works itself out. Yeah. Um, that being said, this this podcast ostensibly is a reading podcast, and uh, where we are reading is Black Reconstruction in America, uh, chapter, I believe, 11, Mississippi and Louisiana. It's either 11 or 12. Um, you lose track sometimes, guys. Sometimes you lose <laughs> track because you read a lot. Uh, uh, and we are starting at the top of page 445, third paragraph down. As to the colored men in the legislature of 1873, Garner says, relative to the course of the colored members in this legislature, a prominent Democrat writes me as follows. In my opinion, if they had all been native Southern Negroes, there would have been little cause of complaint. They would often wanted to vote with Democrats on non-political questions, but could not resist the party lash. The majority of whites in both parties exhibit the same weakness. The real meaning of this criticism was that the Negroes wanted to cooperate with the planters, but knew that the planters would disenfranchise them at the first opportunity and only welcome their alliance now for economic reasons. On the other hand, the Republicans were torn with factions, jealousies, and suspicions, and the Negroes did not know how far they could be trusted. With a few exceptions, the colored members took little part in the work of legislation, although some of the principal chairmanships were held by them. There were few educated men among them, and they watched only for efforts to abridge their privileges as voters and citizens. On the other hand, there were no charges of venality or bribery, and their efforts to learn were intense. They were too willing to take advice and follow leadership once their confidence had been obtained. The number of prominent planters in Mississippi who entered the Republican Party to lead the Negroes was unusually large as compared with other states. Uh, that, that worries me. Um <laughs> Uh, that just concerns me. Yeah. Ames immediately began a program of reentrenchment and expenditures and recommended many reforms. Taxes had been increased from one mill on the dollar in 1869 to 14 in 1874. The credit of the state was still impaired. He recommended a cut of 25% in appropriations and especially curtailing the bill for public printing. Oh, austerity time, guys. Austerity. Yeah, baby. I also not Here sure what one mill on the dollar quite is. Uh, yeah, I'm not either, but I'm going to say that taxes went up, uh, (laughs) taxes went up and that's all I care about. That's uh, the, 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 the amount they went up is, is irrelevant to me. Uh, the recommendation says Garner do credit to the governor who made them. They do not sound like the utterance of a carpet bagger bent on peculation and plunder. I don't know what peculation is unless that's speculation. speculation? Yeah, that's exactly what no, I thought. Peculation. Too. Yeah. We're peculating maybe down here. Yeah. yeah I, that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe it's speculation, but like peculation and plunder is like the little slang for the, what the carpet baggers do. They come here and they speculate and they destroy everything. The wrongful appropriation or embezzlement of shared or public property. It is definitely a unique thing. That is definitely different than speculation. Oh, Usually by a person entrusted with the guardianship of that property. So basically government uh, misappropriating public property. Okay. Um, there were the usual charges of extravagance against the veteran gov- the against the veteran against the reconstruction government man my brain is done today um it should however be said that if the testimony of governor ames may be allowed to be relative to the expenses of the state government during the two years in which he was at its head his was the most economical administration since 1856 with the exceptions of two years 1861 and 1869 
It was charged that the public debt of Mississippi increased from almost nothing to 20,000 during the reconstruction regime. 20 million, I apologize. <laughs> That's a little bit of a difference. It was 20 million. It's kind uh, of a bit. But this was, I would rather I would rather if I owe someone owe them 20,000 than 20 million. Just saying. agreed. Agreed. But this was easily disproved by ex-Governor Ames, who had the figures and the committee of Democratic legislators that sought to impeach him had to acknowledge the truth of what he said. Thus, it will be seen that the actual indebtedness of the state is but a little over a half million dollars, and that during the two years of Governor Ames' administration, the state debt had been reduced from $821 million on January 1st, 1874, to $520 million on January 1st, 1876, or a reduction of more than $300,000 in two years. Upwards of one-third of the state debt wiped out in that time. Not only has the debt been reduced as above, but the rate of taxation for general purposes has been reduced from seven mills to four mills. We're back to the mills again. Yeah, um, and how do we go from one mill to seven mills to four mills? I don't. I don't ask questions anymore. <laughs> uh I, I I don't. But this is this is really interesting to me because this kind of goes back to this. This is like that you talk about like post-truth and stuff like that. Yeah. Um this is very much in that vein because it's like everything they're saying is demonstrably false. They're trying to bring up these corruption charges and these, these, oh, they're spending extravagantly charges. And it's just stuff that is plainly refutable. It's stuff that is like, no, no, no. When you put actual numbers on pieces of paper, you're, you're incorrect. And that doesn't matter because that narrative has survived. That narrative yeah. has won in a large cases because that is an actual thing that you hear when it comes to reconstruction is that they were frivolous and that there was corruption and that they, they ruined the government and the, the all of this kind of stuff. Just um, another, just another feather it, in the hat of the whole post-truth thing is bullshit. Racists have always been this way. The people of power exactly. in the United States have always been this way. White supremacy has always been this way. You you mm-hmm. you don't need truth when you can craft a narrative and stick to it effectively. That that has been proven time and time again. Yeah, you just need you um, just need repetition, repetition, and passion from some racist people. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Mill rate, by the way, is a tax rate. So it's the amount of tax payable per dollar of assessed value. So I guess it's more just like a percentage. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. It should also. It should also be said by way of explanation that the work of the restoration, which the government was obliged to undertake, made increased expenses necessary. During the period of the war and for several years thereafter, public buildings and state institutions were permitted to fall into decay. The state house and grounds, the executive mansion, the penitentiary, the insane asylum, and the buildings for the blind, deaf, and dumb were in dilapidation condition and had to be extended and repaired. A new building for the blind was purchased and fitted up. The reconstructionists established a public school system and spent money to maintain and support it, perhaps too freely in the view of the impoverishment of the people. When they took hold, warrants were worth but 60 or 70 cents on the dollar, a fact which made the price of building materials used in the work of construction correspondingly higher. Garner admits that there was no great railroad swindles and no charge of excessive debt. The only charge, which is perhaps true, was that that the number of offices and agencies was needlessly increased. The one center of undoubted graft under Ames was the public printing contracts, which increased from 8675 a year in 1867-68 to sums varying from 50000 to 127000 by 1870-1875. That is pretty jump. large. That is a big That's a jump. Big jump. Because like I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing like hundred twenty seven thousand for printing. Oh my god! But when you see that it's compared to eight thousand, it's like that's that's a bit bigger. 
This seems, however, to be largely due to one white man, and it's not clear whether he was northern or southern born. (laughs) That's a little bit of a deflection there, Du Bois, but I'll give it to you. I'll concede it to you. Yeah, it was this one guy. It was Jeff. Y'all know Jeff, right? It's probably Jeff's fault. Fucking Jeff. Rhodes declares that the few Negroes were competent to perform their duties and that one who was sheriff of DeSoto County for four years could neither read nor write and farmed out of his office to a white deputy for a share of the revenue. John R. Lynch proves that this statement is absolutely false. The Reverend J.J. Evans, a colored Baptist minister and a Union soldier who held that position, gave entire satisfaction. He left office with a spotless record, accounted for every cent of the funds, and he had, as he wrote, a letter from Evans before him, which showed that Evans could read and write. Mr. Lynch goes on to say that of the 72 counties of the state, not more than 12 ever had colored sheriffs, and that he knew 10 of these, and that in point of intelligence, capacity, and honesty, the colored sheriffs would have favorably compared with the whites. When one considers that over one half of the electors had been slaves, now for the first time given a voice in government, Reconstruction in Mississippi certainly seems like a success. David, do you want to take it? Yeah, that's thanks for letting me have it after that leading sentence. That's exciting. (laughs) <laughs> I know how to I know how to predict <laughs> the Negro leaders who came out to, or came to the front were in most cases admirable and honest men and only a few were corrupt. The advance of the masses of the people was shown in the increase of marriage licenses in 1865 licenses were issued to whites 2708 and to blacks 564 while in 1870 2204 were issued to whites and 3427 to blacks. Again, bit of a jump comparatively. Uh, in those two years, churches built increased from 105 to 283. A curious feud between the governor and his colored lieutenant governor began in the summer of 1874. When Governor Ames went north on his vacation, lieutenant governor discharged certain appointees and appointed several judges. Governor Ames, upon returning, revoked these appointees. Lieutenant Governor Davis also issued a large number of pardons to persons in jail. Singularly enough, while one of the accusations in the attempted impeachment of Ames was dismissal of Davis's judicial appointees, Davis was also removed from the office in 1876. It was alleged that he had accepted a bribe for granting a pardon. On the other hand, the governor's action in revoking Davis's appointments was called by this legislature of 1876 willful, corrupt, and unlawful. So again, you know, this is this is a very good racist playbook thing too, where. Two people can be guilty of the same crime. Right? Yes. yes. So Davis, oh my God, how could he? He's he's so he's so corrupt. Um, he's gotta get out of there. Um, oh, by the way, you're corrupt because everyone Davis appointed, you deappointed? How dare you? <laughs> oh God. It never yeah. ends. It was the special grievance of whites that officials and voters were not taxpayers and that a comparatively small number of the colored voters owned real estate. The most that was charged was that the number of offices and agencies with high salaries was needlessly multiplied. The break came, however, between labor and capital inside of the Democratic Party. Of course, a stubborn and bitter fight for control of the Democratic organization was now on between the antagonistic and conflicting elements among the whites. It was to be a desperate struggle between former aristocrats on one side and what is known as poor whites on the other. While the aristocrats had already been the weaker in point of numbers, they had been the stronger in point of wealth. 
compared to poor people. That's that's a shocking statement. <laughs> what? The rich people had more wealth than the poor people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> News Uncredited alert. quotes in this book are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, intelligence, ability, skill, and experience. As a result of their wide experience and able, skillful management, the aristocrats were successful in the preliminary struggles as illustrated in the persons of Stevens, Gordon, Brown, and Hill of Georgia, Daniels and Lee of Virginia, Hampton and Butler of South Carolina, Lamar and Walthall of Mississippi, and Garland of Arkansas. But in the course of time and in the natural order of things, the poor whites were bound to win. All that was needed was a few years' tutelage and a few daring and unscrupulous leaders to prey upon their ignorance and magnify their vanity in order to bring them to a realization of the fact that their former political masters were now completely at their mercy and subject to their will. After the presidential election of 1872, Southern white men were not only coming into the Republican Party in large numbers, but the liberal and progressive element of the democracy was in the ascendancy in that organization. That element, therefore, shaped the policy and declared the principles for which that organization stood. This meant the acceptance by all political parties of what was regarded as the settled policy of the national government. And proof of this assertion, a quotation from a political editorial which appeared about that time in Jackson, Mississippi, Clarion. The organ of the Democratic Party will not be out of place. In speaking of the colored people and their attitude towards the white, that able and influential paper said, While they, the colored people, have been naturally tenacious of their newly acquired privileges, their general conduct will bear them witness that they have shown consideration for the feelings of the whites. The race line in politics would not have been drawn if opposition had not been made to their enjoyment of equal privileges in the government and under the laws after they were emancipated. In other words, the colored people had manifested no disposition to rule or dominate the whites, and only color line, which had existed, grew out of the unwise policy which had previously been pursued by the Democratic Party and of efforts to prevent the enjoyment of the newly emancipated race of the rights and privileges which they were entitled. Under the Constitution and laws of the country, but after the... But after the state and congressional elections of 1864, the situation was materially changed. The 1874. Liberal and- sorry. 1874. Oh, thank you. Sorry. The so, situation was materially changed. The liberal and conservative element of the democracy was relegated to the rear, and the radical element came to the front and assumed charge. Sorry, I kind of lost in a run-on sentence there. No, you're fine. Here is the record, which is not <laughs> uh, bad. There was no violent revolution in Mississippi. There was no attack upon civilization and culture. There was no increase. There was increased expense, partly for legitimate purposes, partly without doubt by injudicious and careless expenditure, possibly in some cases by corrupt expenditure. In the fall of 1875, just at the time when the whole state rang with the assertions of radical misrule, taxation and robbery, the author traveled through Mississippi, east and west, north and south, traveled quietly and was personally unknown. At every town and village, at every station on the railroads, and every rural neighborhood in the country, he heard Governor Ames and the Republican Party denounced for oppressions, robberies, and dishonesty, as proved by the fearful rate of taxation. He asked what was the percent of taxes on the dollar, but never got an answer. One citizen replied, our taxes are enormous. Another said they are ruinous. Another, they are amount to confiscation. Such were the only replies given. Every form of words that could be used to express excessive taxation was employed. Awful, fearful, intolerable, monstrous, unheard of, incredible. But no man answered the question. For the true answer would have been, 
the average taxation since Reconstruction has been a little less than nine mils on the dollar for all purposes. Of this average of less than nine mils on the dollar, almost one-fifth was for public schools, so that the total annual taxation for all other purposes has been a little over seven mils on the dollar. This was the true answer, but every white leaguer knew better than to answer the question. For one of the originators of that order wrote confidentially, confidentially to an associate that they must appeal to the world as a wretched, downtrodden, and impoverished people. That is a very big paragraph. <laughs> that is a very big paragraph. Um, and it, it kind of piggybacks on some other analysis. The broader analysis it's couched in is again, you know, there was nothing going wrong. They're just straight up making shit up. It's entirely narrative. Right. Um, and I I think that's, uh, I'm trying to think of the sentence that said it best where it was like, it was a quote and they were talking about, um, you know, the black people don't want to dominate the white people. It's been, it's been shown. They don't, that's the white people are just feel oppressed by the very thought of their equality. On the whole, one cannot escape the impression that what the whites in Mississippi feared was that the experiment of Negro suffrage might succeed. At any rate, they began a revolution known as the Mississippi Plan. Oh, good. That's always fun. Uh, No way this will go poorly. Here was no labor dictatorship or dream of one. White labor took up arms to subdue black labor and make it helpless economically and politically through the power of property. Senator Revels of Mississippi said in the 41st Congress, Mr. President, I maintain that the past record of my race is a true index of the feelings which today animate them. They bear toward their former masters no revengeful thoughts, no hatred, no animosities. They aim not to elevate themselves by sacrificing one interest of their fellow white citizens. They ask, but the rights which are theirs by God's universal law in which are the natural outgrowth of the the logical sequence of the condition in which the legislative enactments of this nation have placed them. They appeal to you and to me to see that they receive that protection, which alone will enable them to pursue their daily avocations with success and enjoy the liberties of citizenship on the same footing with their white neighbors and friends. John R. Lynch said when he was counted out of his election, you certainly cannot expect them, the Negroes, to resort to mob law and brute force or to use what might have been milder language inaugurate a revolution. My opinion is that the revolution is not the remedy to be applied in such cases. Our system of government is supposed to be one of law and order, Hmm. resting upon the consent of the governed, as expressed through the peaceful medium of the ballot. Mm -hmm. In all localities where the local public sentiment is so dishonest, so corrupt, and so demoralized as to tolerate the commission of election frauds and shield the perpetrators from justice, such people must be made to understand that there is patriotism enough in this country and sufficient love of justice and fair play in the hearts of the American people to prevent any party from gaining the ascendancy in the government that relies upon a fraudulent ballot and false return as the chief source of its support. That is hilarious in light of current events. I'm sorry, that's just funny. That's just funny. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to say we there there was nothing wrong with them pursuing this now. This was an entirely new world, right? Yeah. When had they ever been freed from slavery? Um yeah. they had you know they had no there was no concept of a of a socialist country or a decolonial revolution outside of Haiti to look back onto and you know Haiti didn't have this democracy. They didn't realize how stacked it was quite. But we obviously know better today. Yeah, a little bit. 
The impartial historian will record the fact that the colored people of the South have contended for their rights with a bravery and gallantry that is worthy of the highest commendation, being unfortunately independent circumstances with the preponderance of the wealth and intelligence against them in some localities, yet they have bravely refused to surrender their honest convictions even upon the altar of their personal necessities. With riot, fraud, boycott, and intimidation, Negro rule was overthrown. William L. Hemingway was nominated against Captain George M. Buchanan, an able and well-qualified man. In an honest election, Buchanan would have been given the office, but Hemingway was declared elected. However, he had not he had been in office only a brief time when the discovery was made that he was a defaulter to the amount of $315,612. Thus, reform began. That's a lot of money to default on that back then. Like that's, yeah. that's significant. That is. Uh, that is. But is, the this, Black is this kind of the huh? precursor of the national national debt type, type bullshit? I don't know. Or is that I don't saying know what he that means was when like? He says he's a defaulter. That that's that, well. That's what I don't get. Like, was it saying he went into office and he had a personal debt and he used the state to pay it off, or is he saying like? This was the state's debt, and then he used it as as an excuse, it, obviously bullshit excuse, to you know break up everything Reconstruction had just built. I'm not sure which yeah, one. Yeah, let's says. let's take a let's let's keep okay. digging and see if we can find out. But I I think the way it made it sound is that he personally defaulted on that amount of money, wow. um, which would be a wild sum of money back then. Um, it would be an insane sum of money back then. It's also I, I don't know if that's then is saying a scandal that kicked him out of office. Or that it's yeah. an under underscoring of how it was the whites who were actually corrupt, but I guess we'll see. Exactly, we'll find out. In the black dis- in the back districts of Mississippi, the world moved on. In May 1874, at Burley, a Southern lady writes, Last Wednesday, the bishop, assisted by Mr. Douglas and Herber Crabe, ordered a Mr. Jackson, a Negro as black as any on this land, a deacon in the church. The ceremony was very interesting, and Mr. Jackson preached in the afternoon as to an enlightened audience as ever goes to our church. His sermon was admirable and admirably delivered. I have heard but few who read so well and fewer who have so good a manner. He is a well-educated man, having a considerable knowledge of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. He has been living in one of the rectory houses for two years and is a hard student under Mr. Douglas and is without reproach. I have no idea what that paragraph was supposed to be about. <laughs> I, I, It just seems like a very nice lady went to church and was very happy about it, and I don't know why it's in this book. <laughs> Sorry, Du Bois. I'm calling this one. <laughs> No. Louisiana came into the possession of the United States because Tucson Louisville, shout outs, shout outs to a real one. And the blacks of Haiti so broke the French colonial power and Napoleon's plan for American empire that he practically gave away French America to the United States and turned his whole attention to Europe. At the first census after the admission of the state, 1810, there were 34,000 whites and the same number of black slaves. And in addition to this, 7,585 free Negroes. In 1820, when Louisiana entered the Union, the white and black population were about equal, both being under 80,000. In 1860, there were 350,000 Negroes and 357,000 whites. By 1870, the color population exceeded the whites by nearly 2,000. The Great Influx came between 1840 and 1860. Among the Negro population in 1860 of Negro population, 18,647 in 1860 were free and reported represented mainly descendants of the free Negroes in the territory at the time of the annexation. They were many and of them rich and educated. They were many of them rich and educated. There we go. And they formed a most interesting element in the population. 
Migration to Louisiana after 1840 was of distinctly lower grade than before. Exploiters of commercial slavery, slave traders, and smugglers, gamblers, and desperados. They made the situation for free Negroes much more difficult. Rich colored folks, even those who were well known, were often arrested and mistreated. In 1857, Wycliffe informed the legislature that the immigration of free Negroes from the other states of the Union into Louisiana had been steadily increasing for years, that it was a source of great evil and demanded legislative action. Public policy dictates the interest of people requires that immediate steps should be taken at this time to remove all free Negroes who are now in the state, when such removal can be effected without violation of law. Their example and associations have a most pernicious effect upon our slave population. There, it, it's the same thing all over again, right? It's it's yep. it's it's this is pre Red Scare, yellow peril, but th- that's what it is. It's I I don't know if anyone's ever called this phenomenon Black Scare. I'm sure someone has. I there's probably a better term for it. I'm sure somebody's but, I'm sure somebody's done it. But it's exactly that, right? It's it's oh my god! It's it's every xenophobic thought possible right oh the commies could come over here and take over oh you know the asians could come over here and take over the latins will come over here, you know whatever it is right it, it yep. the precursor to all the racism is always black and indigenous people as a result in 1858 emile descends acted as an agent for immigration to haiti then under the rule of then under the rule of soloke 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 so okay. Solo gay. So okay, cool. Um, Dedun worked energetically to arrange for the deportation of a large number of colored Louisianans. Unfortunately, a revolution in Haiti stopped the project. The Antebellum Society of Louisiana, and particularly of New Orleans, was brilliant and lawless. Dueling, gambling, and murder were widespread, and there were notorious outbreaks in political life. Like the Plaquemine... God damn it, why did I take over reading? The Plaquemine <laughs> Riot of 1844 <laughs> and the scenes of violence and intimidation at the election for sheriff in 1853. As late as 1855, the city was in the hands of rival political factions, which fought behind barricades in the streets. Governor Hebart said in 1856 that the riot of 1855, if repeated, would sink us to the level of the anarchical governments of Spanish America. That but. It's always got to be some kind of weird racism, doesn't it? Some Um, sort of weird racism. That before the occurrence of these great public crimes, the hideous enormity of which we could not describe and which were committed with impunity in mid daylight and in the presence of hundreds of persons, no one could have admitted could have admitted even the possibility that a bloodthirsty mob could have contemplated and to overawe any portion of the people of the state in the exercise of their most valuable rights. But that which would then have denied even as a possibility is now a historical fact. The following year, Governor Wycliffe added, It is well known that the last two general elections, many of the streets and approaches to the polls were completely in the hands of organized ruffians who committed acts of violence on multitudes of our nationalized fellow citizens who dared venture to exercise the rights of suffrage. Thus, nearly one-third of the registered voters of New Orleans have been deterred from exercising their highest and most sacred prerogative. The suppression of such elections in an open and palpable fraud on the people, and I recommend you to adopt such measures as shall effectually prevent the true will of the majority from being totally silenced. Now, is this... uh 
are the people that are being suppressed here is this like I- i'm curious is this like ku klux klan suppressing the african-american the black vote I, or is i this... believe so yeah i believe this is the, okay like, because they're, I mean, the whole lead up was talking about the free Negroes and the evasion of the free Negroes and we can't end the population flipping and we've got to get them out. Right. And now they're trying yeah. to intimidate them. This is all, this yeah. is all just white reaction to the black populace being bigger. This is why it was I can't tell if Governor Wycliffe is, I can't tell if Governor Wycliffe is on the right side here. I can't tell if he's like lambasting, uh, uh, like the KKK trying to suppress doing obvious voter suppression, or if this is, or if they're trying to make a case that there's like the anarchical leftists are suppressing the people's rights to mm. vote. Like, yeah, I feel like he could yeah. be either side of this equation based on that. And I don't know which side he's on. Yeah. This was, this was say in the 1850s, wasn't it? 1857. 1857 yeah, so this was before so the war but louisiana was different before the war it was really wonky um I'm gonna, we're gonna jump ahead because we're gonna finish a little bit more of this uh okay. the new orleans delta said may 6th 1860 for seven years the world knows that this city in all its departments judicial legislative and executive has been the absolute disposal of the most godless brutal ignorant and ruthless ruffianism the world has ever has ever heard of since the days of the great roman conspirator Okay, this is this is getting this is escalating quickly by yeah. means of a secret organization emanating from that fecund source of political infamy, New England, and named No Nothingism and Samyism from boasted exclusive devotion of the fraternity to the United States. Our city, far from being the abode of decency and libera- of liberality, generosity and justice, is a sanctum for crime. Again, the fact that they're saying they're coming from New England makes me think it's very much the the, yeah. the bad guy. That's true. Very much the bad kind. The ministers of the law, nominees of bloodstained, vulgar, ribald, caballeros. Really? We're going to the caballeros here? And licensed murderers shed innocent blood on the most public thoroughfares with impunity. Witnesses of the most atrocious crimes are either spirited away, bought off, or intimidated from testifying. Perjured associates are retained to prove alibis, and ready bail is always procurable for the immediate use of those whom it is not immediately prudent to enlarge otherwise. The electoral system is a farce and fraud. The knife, the slingshot slingshot. the brass knuckles determining while the shame is being enacted who shall occupy and administer the offices of municipality and the commonwealth oh there's more of this guys we got to keep going governor wells governor wells said in 1866 it is within the knowledge of all citizens resident here before the war that for the years preceding the rebellion elections in the parish of orleans were a cruel mockery of free government bands of organized desperados immediately preceding and during an election committed every species of outrage upon peaceful and unoffending citizens to intimidate them from the exercise of in inestimable privilege of free men the elective franchise a registry of fourteen thousand names in the days alluded to could scarcely furnish one-fourth of that number of legal votes at the polls although six or seven thousand votes were usually returned as cast even the system of slavery in louisiana differed from southern from the southern south and many slaveholders frankly made it their policy to work the slaves to death and buy new ones instead of taking care of the old and sick holy shit all right sorry i interrupted you no that is a policy and disgusting and, and troubling to hear. But again, you know, reminds us of the conditions that, that these people were through. And that makes sense. I mean, if, if you talk about, you know, like Dessaline and, and Haiti and, um, 
the third time that that basically they had to do the revolution three times because they kept trusting the white people that were there. And so when they killed off the white people, it was like, oh, is this a genocide? And it's well, they made their life expectancy twenty five years old. What, <laughs> like, yeah. what do you expect? They and they tried the revolution without doing this three times. Yeah, um, but I still it's, it's, it was complicated. I still I think you're right on the bad kind, but I still don't have a read on that. And it looks like we just switched. I don't have a read on it at all. It could go either way. It's very, I still think it's the bad kind. I still think based is, on it, context it clues that this is all white white people being very uh terrified. I do of, I do like how we kept, you know, moving this to like a western movie. I was expecting some plenty switch shit because we had we had caballeros and then we had desperados. We had ruffians. We had all sorts Ruffian of things popping thugs. up here at the end. Slingshots. <laughs> Slingshots for God's sakes. <laughs> Dennis the Menace is loose and he's causing havoc. Oh God. All right, guys. Well, that has been a a I think that that's thoroughly, thoroughly meets our quota. I think we read eight pages. That's that's you know, if you've been here long enough, you know that's an accomplishment, even when we don't read to spend thirty or forty minutes doing current events. That's still above average for us, isn't it? That's still above the nor- above the average, yes. Yeah. So we're still batting, we're still batting where we need to. It only took us an extra twenty minutes or so. Um, so that being said, we're going to do an abridged ending to the show. David did a disclaimer in the middle of the episode, so we're not going to have to do a disclaimer at the end, uh, which is a handy a handy use of our features. Um, that being said, this is Mark's Madness Pod, and we read books. So there are a couple ways you can get a hold of us if you would like to do so. Uh, you can reach us in email. Email is marks madness pod at gmail.com uh you can reach us on twitter at marks madness pod on twitter uh and you can also reach us in discord our discord server is linked in our twitter bio um if you are not able to access it through there feel free to email us and we will get you that link um that is where the day-to-day stuff happens again that is mostly just a community of like-minded people who listen to the show if you want to be part of a you know you're you're, we're all dealing with immense amounts of isolation these days having a a group to just talk to and and pretend some shit is normal every once in a while is kind of nice um and that is a nice place to do it um also if you want to play final fantasy 14 we got you um that being said i think that covers everything david any any closing remarks uh no that's that's all i got we covered a hell of a lot today we got a whole lot covered today and we will cover even more next time on mark's madness pod we read books uh my name is nathan my name's david and we will talk to you all next week bye bye